Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from World Radio Gardening. We've been out on the road, this time to the National Trust property near Aylesbury, Waddesdon Manor in Buckinghamshire, a delightful building, a wonderful garden. And Ken Crowther's been speaking to the assistant head gardener, Richard Ernt, who gave him a tour of the property. It's a garden that's always evolving and moving forward with different projects and it's great to have to be able to share it with the public and come and uh, see the, all that is going on up here. And of course that's important, the National Trust take on uh, projects like this and you know bring them to the public's attention which is really so important today, keeping history alive. Exactly, exactly. I mean it all began with uh, the 7th Duke of Marlborough putting this um, bare hill um, and it is on top of a hill, isn't it? it, it, it uh, yeah, exactly, up for auction. And then uh, in August of that year, in 1874, the Baron Ferdinand de Rothschild built it, and uh, and look what a place it is now. It's you know. an incredible building. Just, you know, it's got turrets, it's got, well, it, it's just like a sort of mini castle in a way, but in a lovely soft yellow stone. Exactly, and to think that it was just a bare hill where um, one of the first jobs was to level 10 foot off the top of it to house the avenue, the manor and the parterre beyond. It's just incredible what's happened. The driveway is very impressive anyway, and of course that's the original driveway that the carriages would have driven up curling their way through woodland, yes. which must have been planted, some of that, at the original time. Yes, I mean, as what they used to do was, um, as it was being constructed, there was a person called William Barron, who, um, who he used to, what he used to do was bring in um, big uh, trees, mature trees, because the Rothschild family wanted instant effect. And so they used to go around and get trees from other places, um, dig them up, used to pick them up by horse and cart, bring them to Wadston, and rather planting them in another hole, just lay the roots out with the tree there, and then mound the soil up round it. And so there are some certain trees round the property that would be sitting on low mounds. On low mounds. Certain mounds. So it's all sort of for the instant effect of the place. And the average person would think tree moving was something modern of today. And there you are, the Rothschilds were doing it in exactly, that time. Exactly, exactly. And it's, um, it was a garden for inspiration, you know, and uh, a, a statement of wealth as well to show what we, what's can do and the Rothschild family can do. You know. Anything. Yes. Anything. Yes. So they'd arrive at the top of the hill and again a large sort of, is it a pond? It is. It's a large pond though, isn't it? What, uh, down the, the fountain? Yes, yeah, a fountain, yes. With, um, and then it was, uh, the driveway actually used to be longer, it used to be down at the Wadston Crossroads. Um, <laughs> so it's almost twice the length of what you've come through today. And then it's come up here and then you would um, come up to the fountain, you say, and then you'll see this huge manor in front of them which was after all a weekend retreat for the Rothschild family and their guests and um, many guests yeah, exa exactly and with all the beddings plants that we have today um, and back then you know it was all about a statement of wealth and to sh uh, show what they could do the fact how uh, status they were two lovely large lawns leading up to the up to the house itself and in fact you've put New avenues of trees. Were yes. there any avenues of trees? Yes, Do they, they know? Yes, there were. There was. Um, there were oak trees, and then um, over time, um, we had two different types of species of oaks of different ages with the storms in '87, and so a decision was taken by the head gardener Paul Farnell um, to that we should start over again, and uh, so that all the trees are of the same variety and growing at the same rate and do what it would have looked like in its original um, time. And that's the important thing is you're actually putting history 
back yes. in a way for future generations exactly. because those trees are going to take well hundred years to mature. Aren't they? Yes, exactly, and um, and well beyond my time. So it's going to it's always gonna, it's again it's a thing of evolution. Everything going. There are going to be other projects in the future where we're going to have to take a decision about other trees to start the project because um, there was a time where there was very little tree surgery being done and so there is a gap where you've got really young trees and really mature trees and so these and we're going to have to have a um, there's going to have to be thought into the process of which trees we should selectively cut down and to replace to bring it on in, as a rotation. Now just staying on the front before we take a little walk around to the other side of the manor um, we've got um, statuary with yes bedding round it. Yes. Again, I imagine that was in the original plans. Yes, they were. They were. And um, um, the plants may be different. I mean, here we've, on the avenues, you see, we've got blue polyanthus and uh, with mauve polyanthus in the stars. We call these the star beds. We've got the tropical mound. Again, with um, um, uh, blue polyanthus with uh, yellow uh, wallflowers. And so, you changed that in the summer period? Yes, have... yeah, yeah. I mean, in the summer period, on these beds, we've got, um, uh, so in the, on the star beds here, we've got uh, white and yellow begonias, so reduced watering. And in the, on the tropical mound there, we've got plants such as dahlias, cannas, rhizinus. So very tropical. And red and hot. Mm. So, and these would change on every year for what the displays. To give yes, to keep interest. Were the palms and tropical plants here, do you think? I mean, was that part of the original planting Yes, again? There, there was on there, yes. Uh, but they, in, that, in that time, they had um, glass houses down at the bottom of the hill, about 38 glass houses, that, um, that they used to bring the plants up. Um, we do have a small glass house, but no, nowhere near on the extent that they have. <laughs> Not so, acres off. Exactly. So we have to buy our sort of bedding plants in now uh, from a nursery in Kent. But uh, the, the bigger plants we still house in a small um, glass house. And last but not least, a bit of topiary at the front. Got to have a bit of topiary, haven't you, oh, with the, with the oh, box hedging? Definitely. Uh, and it, and uh, they, they, they will trim these twice a year. And they're tiered and, up to uh, the house, exa Exactly. And it, and it gives interest and stuff. And uh, public always uh, inquiring to our turf team to how you do it. Well, Richard, I think it's time then that we had a stroll and have a look round the front. So let's uh, find our way round to the... Is it, which is the front? No, it'll be the back, is it? Yes, or the, the front? The, 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 well, uh, this is the front of the house and then you've got the back of the, where the parterre is. Come on, Ken, you should know the difference between the back and the front of a house. It's Waddeston Manor. That's the place we're taking a tour of, in particular the gardens of this beautiful National Trust property. Richard Ernt is the assistant head gardener and was giving Ken Crowther the tour around. We've come round from the manor house itself and into an area which is the Avery Garden. And first we're looking at mounded beds again, which I find, you've noticed, I've found those absolutely fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we've reprofiled the, these beds over the winter and now they're filled with uh, 10,000 uh, uh, pansies of white soft yellows into darker yellows on top of the mound to give it a short-lived display of colour before our main scheme of uh, begonias in the in later on in the summer. It's interesting because we're using begonias a lot more. They yeah. are so tolerant today. When you think in the old days, I'm, I'm a bit older than yourself, uh, as you can see, <laughs> but if you, take, if you take it back, begonias were not weather tolerant at all, but they are today, aren't they? Yes, they are great. Um, 
a plant because you don't need to water them as much and that's and that's so important for displays now and again and also I mean they're easy to look after so um, we can uh, concentrate on other jobs rather than so much on the bedding which is which is very important. Now we've talked a bit about the beds but more importantly we are looking at a magnificent structure isn't it this aviary is just unbelievable isn't it with its yeah. gold trim and it's oh Yes, it's, it's absolutely um, wonderful. You've got the Rococo-style aviary here, um, built in 1874. And in the middle here, we have our uh, um, little grotto area with tufo, tufo rock and uh, a whole variety of ferns just to give it that lift of colour. And uh, with pouring into a small pond, as well as all the, the birds, which are a lot of them are endangered. And there's a breeding programme to... To, to introduce back into areas all around the world. So would the Rothschilds have actually, in their heyday, have again collected unusual birds? I imagine that was what it would be about, to show off, wasn't it? Yeah, they would, they, they would have um, it would have been on dis uh, display, and again, to show the, the show uh, off. The, well, yes, their friends and yes. everything that goes on here. And you can imagine, can't you, people walking, you know, having their meals and having perhaps afternoon tea and then strolling around with their ladies and looking at these yeah. Yes, and they would also go down, and from here they would go down to the dairy where um, they used to have a prize winning Jersey herd and they'd all have uh, name tags and so it goes that you could pick which um, cream or milk you'd want from what cow and they'd collect it and then bring it up to the manor for their afternoon tea. It's, it's, all a, it's a different world to what it is today. It really is, but what a place to work and in fact... Um, you know, this area alone, I imagine there's a staff looking after the birds as well. Yes, yes, I think there's a team of four of them, plus volunteers. Uh, unfortunately, they're not here today, but they would be able to tell you a lot more information about the ongoing... But there are really some here. very unusual birds. I yeah. mean, birds that I've never seen, some unusual pheasants and different birds. Yeah, and peking robins and Rothschild minor and everything. There's so many. Now, I mustn't ignore the fact that we've got some birds of prey that keep um, buzzing round... Do they live here or well, local? They are well, they are the red kite. Um, they were introduced at Chinna, which is across the um, a, a valley, not far away. And uh, they, they're gradually spreading throughout the country. And uh, yes, they, they come and circle over us very regularly. And very so graceful, those, aren't they? Yes, they are. And people who don't see, don't see them think, wow, what is that? Now it's, it's become a bit of the norm for us as they fly over day to day. Well, what a lovely place to work, and uh, I think, you know, you've got the joys of so many different areas here. You've got trees, you've got bedding displays, you've got the aviary here, um, you know, it, it's just... Yeah, I mean, there's so many more things to see. We've got the rose garden, which will be a, a, a fountain of colour in a form of colour wheel. You've got Daffodil Valley here, which um, is coming to full flourishion now, and will develop into a wildflower meadow with loads of orchids in there um, and, um, and other such things around the grounds. It's a garden for all seasons. Yes, yes, it never stops. It always evolves. You're listening to the latest podcast from World Radio Gardening and Ken Crowther is in Buckinghamshire at the National Trust property at Waddeston Manor. Sounds beautiful. Built by Baron Ferdinand de Rothschild in 1874 and bequeathed to the nation for the National Trust and it's the garden that's of particular interest to Ken. As you'd expect we continue our tour with Richard Ernst, the assistant head gardener at Waddeston Manor.
It's a blaze of colour, isn't it? Yes, yeah, we've got um, yellow polyanthus and blue polyanthus in this marvellous ribbon bedding. And um, it's one of our main showpieces. Each display, just in the parterre, is about 21,000 plants. But it still hasn't reached its potential yet because we've still, in between all these um, plants, we've got in the yellow beds, of, uh, which we call the scrolls, we've got West Point and Cairo yellow tulips to come up, as uh, well as in the um, outer beds, we've got General Duet and uh, Orange Emperor um, coming up through the, uh, through the purple. So, to give it a terrific uh, two dimensional effect. And it's not just this, it's other beds exactly the same to give that uh, final. Uh, sort of spring glory. Oh, it is a glory, isn't it, to yes. look at spring. The thing that the thing that I found fascinating to look across here is that you actually mound some of the beds. Yeah. Now, that's something that you wouldn't dream of doing in your own home, would you? Well, no, but people could do if they wanted to. Um, I mean, all, all these beds are... The angle is below 45 degrees. Anything steeper than 45 degrees, the, there'll the be a wash-off, runoff. Yeah. So we try and keep them as high as possible, but less than 45 degrees to give that dramatic effect. It's all about Wadston. It is very much so, isn't it? Mm. Um, so we've got beds, we've got uh, a bit of Tropicana coming up through it yes, as well. Yes, the yuccas and the, the formiums, and then we've got the Yormus, two types of hedge. We've got the uh, emerald and gold and silver queen yours and you just outside. keep those trimmed they're and trimmed tight. In and tight yes yeah. so they they still haven't reached their full potential because we uh, about three years ago we had to uh, replace the hedge there was too much reversion in them so um, we had to start again on those hedges and um, by the end of the year they will be starting to uh, bind form. together and form much better hedging now, in the centrepiece, there, there were fountains that you would have looked out on from the house? Yes, we've got the Pluto and Prosperine in the, the middle there. And um, once the um, frost has reduced, then we will uh, fill up the and get there. them fountain. And then it'll be, well, it's quite nice on a Monday and Tuesday when the public aren't around, just to stand here and just listen to the sound of water and imagine what it would have been like in its heyday back here 100 years ago. <laughs> towards the house as well we've got some topiary we've got some ewes that have been are they egg shaped am i being fair yeah no it's perfectly reasonable they, they are egg, egg shaped and we have mushrooms but we are shapes as well but we have other topiary around the um, gardens as well now what is quite unusual to me is you've got two very large pieces of topiary that's is are they both you yeah we've got the green you and then the we've got you, and the it? golden you which is taxus elegantissima uh in front of it um about half the width but and i it, mean that one's two meters wide isn't it i mean yeah coming out from the wall well, we've got we got we have um, we're fortunate enough to have long harm hedge trimmers where we can stand either side and just reach in across and uh, the turf team have been doing it this years and years and they've they trim it often to keep it that very tight form so that it makes it easier for hedge cutting if it's a loose it's much it's much more harder to get that straight level billiard table appearance shall we say now looking then we've, we've come up the steps and we're coming back to the to the house itself um i still am in awe of the house and i'm sure even though you've been here 18 years i'm sure you still are aren't you uh, yes i mean you every day you see something new in the architecture and the, in the details it, it's just a magical weekend retreat as it once was um and you can never get bored of it you really cannot <laughs> 
some more bedding along by the house itself. Yes, yes, we've got uh, wallflowers, um, which in another month's time will be starting to flower. And then uh, around the corner there, it continues, but um, that will be another hotbed um, uh, of reds, reds, reds and, and, and it's similar to that of the tropical mound. It's very hot area, as you can imagine, the sun coming across the front. Across the front completely. Yeah. I mean, it must yes. be... A absolute delight in it summer. Is, it is, it is. Hot it, place to work. Yes it is and it's lovely to share it with the public, to the public to enjoy it and see it as it is. Now do you have trouble just out of interest for watering all this in the summer? I mean is that a problem? Not really. We're lucky in that we're able to, a lot of our schemes have um, pop-up irrigation systems so we set them off um, program them to come on early in the evening um, so they the water has all night to absorb no They're, wastage so that wastage is to a minimal um, we do have to do watering duties over the weekends um, but it's it is um, uh, minimal you know now Okay, you're assistant head gardener. Yes. How many gardeners have we got to look after this magnificent place? We've got full time, 14 full-timers and we have four students. Two are just on an annual um, contract and then um, we have the P2 PGG students, which are, is the Professional Gardeners Guild, and they come, and come here and then they'll go off to other gardens in their three-year course. So plenty of work for a lot of people to well, keep it in this sort of state well it's not just uh, it's not just the staff we've got loads of volunteers as well i didn't like <laughs> to ask you about that <laughs> so we got we got about um um 12 full-time volunteers, volunteers as well. Uh, well um weekday volunteers i should say and then uh, we have special corporate groups that come in um, our sunday group that come in once a month as well to help with different aspects of the garden so in some ways you've got about 20 odd gardeners yeah i wonder yeah. how many gardeners they would have had back in its heyday does anybody know um from well uh, originally there would have been about 200 um after the about the war times it was about down to 50 and now we have 14 but we've got you know machinery that make us, makes, makes, a, lot our, of makes difference. a difference and thank goodness we have that um obviously we can look at this on the website can't we there's yes, a website for Waddeson gardens yes there is and um it's all there for everyone to look at and enjoy and you're not open every day are you no we're open from wednesday to sundays um closed monday and tuesdays well, Richard, it's been a pleasure to have a look round and thank you very much for um, so sharing with me your enthusiasm for a magnificent garden. Well, thank you, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share it with you and everyone else. Those gardens really do sound beautiful. The gardens and grounds at Waddeston Manor, near Aylesbury in Buckinghamshire. Search out the website. It's a National Trust property. Richard Ernst, the assistant head gardener, was talking to Ken Crowther from World Radio Gardening and check out our website for details of the next podcast from World Radio Gardening. Thank you for listening.